The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, we're going to turn our attention the, uh, to the return of um, Andre Darlington. He is uh, a... Um, let's see, how do I, how do I want to put this? Um... Yeah, we'll we'll hold off on that for a minute. Um, but he is a uh, food and beverage uh, columnist and the co-author of a new book that teams up mixed drinks with uh, albums, and it sounds like fun. It actually sounds like it should be a Friday show, but uh, but he's here, and we're going to talk with uh, Andre by phone. Andre, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Okay, now this is uh, your new book is uh, Booze and Vinyl Volume Two: Seventy More Albums Plus 140 New Recipes. How did I miss Volume One? It seems like when you were here before, we talked about the booze cruise. It's true. We talked about a booze cruise. It's probably just that I switched publicists and they found you. <laughs> I must have made an upgrade. <laughs> ah, there you go. Um, but uh, but this but this is book two. What what gave you the idea of um, picking certain kinds? Of, I've seen this done with films, like beverages to drink while you're watching the Maltese Falcon, or you know some classic uh, video. Uh, but what made you think about bringing vinyl? no pun intended, into the mix? Yeah, great question. I actually did, uh, with my sister, a book for Turner Classic Movies, so I have written one of those booze and <laughs> film uh, drink books as well. Uh, booze and Vinyl 1 came out in 2018, which seems like a lifetime ago now. It was uh, before the pandemic. Um, and, of course, vinyl was already on a big upswing um, then, you know, with things like Record Store Day, which is uh, actually coming up this Saturday. Uh, and, you know, we really enjoyed this idea. We grew up with a turntable in our house. My father was a musician. So music and this turntable was kind of the hearth of our home in a way. Um, and we, you know, really enjoyed the idea of combining two kind of analog things together, which was, you know, which is listening to vinyl, you know, music on vinyl, which has an A side and B side. You know, the vinyl lasts about uh, usually like a half hour or so enough time we thought to make yourself a drink for the a side and b side um and it was just 
kind of bringing vinyl back uh, into the mainstream in a way. And of course, we were just part of a wave that was happening. Um, you know, I think in 2020, vinyl sales surpassed CDs for the first time uh, since the 90s. Um, and it's just been this incredible phenomenon. Little did we know that vinyl was going to keep growing to the point where, you know, you walk into uh, any kind of department store like a Target or an Urban Outfitters and they're selling vinyl in there again. I know, and it, it's uh, it's such a strange sensation because I, I I remember spending Saturday mornings going through cutout bins. Right. Yeah. To build up a collection, so um, now that that vinyl's making a comeback, are, are you are you doing? Are these books focused on? contemporary vinyl or is this um mixed drinks for classics it's a little bit of both you know it, it's harder to determine what is a classic as we get closer uh to our own time but we definitely try to make a nice mix so i think the first album in here is probably sometime in the late 50s and we really run up to just a couple of years ago you know, there's a little bit of a donut hole there in the 90s and early 2000s when artists just weren't making albums for vinyl. And in fact, you know, with the advent of iPods and streaming services, we weren't really thinking in terms of music in, ter in terms of full albums anymore. But it's definitely back. And so we do have a number of contemporary artists who are thinking in terms of albums. A good example in this book is the very popular Beyonce who made an album called uh, Lemonade, where she really did think about it in terms of a full, complete artwork. And it's been fantastic to see artists go back to the album, in a way, as, as, the main, as a main platform. Well, I, I noticed, for example, um, you paired up uh, uh, Janis Joplin with yeah. uh, Southern Comfort Drinks. <laughs> which, yes. Which is is almost a little bit um, too branded. <laughs> yeah, it's too on brand, right? So yeah. what's really fun is, you know, I think we all remember Southern Comfort as kind of being um, possibly a little gross and icky if we, you know, had it when we were young and maybe we got sick on it. But it's really a great product, and it's, it's great in cocktails because in cocktails you're often adding, um, you know, simple syrup or a liqueur, for mouthfeel and for body, as well as, as for sweetness, just to balance a drink. And, and doing this book made me realize how good Southern Comfort is as a stand-in for you know, what otherwise would just be sugar water. And Southern Comfort's really tasty and really delightful and low, lower in proof, actually. I didn't you know, recall that um, SoCo isn't, isn't very uh, high-octane juice. Um, and, and, and Janice loved Southern Comfort, and you see a lot of pictures of her with it. I think during the 60s, you know, these brands were already really good, even back then, about getting themselves in the rock star's hands. So you see Mick Jagger, um, you know, with Tennessee Whiskey, for instance, you know, with Jack Daniels and that kind of thing. But you did see Jan um, Janice Joplin with uh, Southern Comfort. And we do a fun uh, cocktail in there called the Joplin, which is Southern, Southern Comfort driver mousse. Uh, and lime juice. So we're making it fresh and maybe a little bit more adult, uh, enjoy, uh, you know, enjoyable for adults if you remember SoCo as a kid. <laughs> well, you know, the the other thing that, that got my attention was um, I, I would not have thought to put Slow Gin Fizz with Loretta Lynn. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, she, I mean, I would, Loretta Lynn just just because of her country music heritage, it just seems like it cries out for a beer and a shot. It is a little bit of a beer and a shot, but otherwise we would have had so many beers and a shot. So we're always looking for something that, you know, brings a little something to the party. And, you know, she did that album with uh, the Van Leer Rose in 2004 with Jack White, you know, who's from the White Stripes, who's on tour again. Um, but Loretta Lynn, the Van Leer Rose is sort of this watershed album for her again. Of course, she had already been famous um, in the late 70s for the coal miner's daughter. And here she's back. Um, with this just incredible album, and it's so wonderful to see an artist who you know had a peak basically in the late 70s, but a peak again in the 2000s, pretty remarkable and pretty rare. Um, and Slow Gin is a favorite of of Jack's white of Jack White's. Um, so we kind of threw that in there, and it works for her. It works for this album. It's really really tasty drink. Basically, we do the Slow Gin, lemon juice, uh, simple syrup, and a little club soda. So it's a very approachable way to get into Slow Gin. When I look at some of these things, it makes me wonder, are, are these things, are these mixed drinks being created to go with the music, or are they things that already existed that you're pairing up? It's a great question. The album, Blues and Vinyl 1, the first album, it was much more pairing drinks that we knew to the music that we were listening to, which is what we were doing at the time. You know, we would put on an album oh, this, you know, puts me in the mood for, you know, an old-fashioned or puts me in the mood for a, you know, Clover Club or something like that. And so those, some of those classic drinks, of course, are in Booze and Final 1. With Booze and Final 2, we've written a, a number of, you know, more books. We have, a, you know, more knowledge under our belt. We started creating um, more drinks for this book, um, which has been really fun. Um, we found ourselves, um, you know, able to kind of go into the bar and, kind of, you know, pair a, a drink exactly to the music a little bit more this time. If you were doing the Rat Pack, would it would it be martinis? Definitely, probably martinis. And maybe <laughs> some wine for Dino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably some Ernst and Gallo uh, Dino, um, you know, wine punch in there. <laughs> Dino's Vino. Yeah, in fact, it's always been... Um, my dream is sort of do an entire rat, bat, rat Pack book, so we'll see if I can pull that off. It's an issue of licensing and whatnot for all those photos, but uh, I, I am a huge Rat Pack fan. Um, and and we, we've put uh, Frank Sinatra and, um, you know, a few of uh, Sammy Davis and a few, a few of the books, um, but that would be fun. Yeah, I would think um, that it would almost... Um fall between uh, scotch or martinis. Yeah, there was a lot of that in the 60s. Scotch and martinis, I think, you know, something like the gin rickies, um, you know, and actually there was a lot of, uh, quite a few, you know, into the late 60s, a lot of sweet, sweeter cream um, drinks, you know, sort of when white Russians were popular and pink squirrels. So you can kind of go into that world a little bit with the Rat Pack. But definitely those are, the, you know, America's heavy martini drinking years. Somebody told me the other day that they went into a bar and, and um, tried to order a black Russian, but it had been banned <laughs> because of the Ukraine thing. 
because of the name. Yeah, it's funny. It's been interesting to watch that. Um, you know, I think Stoli has been banned from a lot of bars. And, of course, Stoli, the owner of Stoli, moved that company out of Russia a number of years ago. And it's actually a Finnish um Finnish vodka now. Uh, but yeah, there's quite a bit of um, backlash in the, you know, there, th- this happens in, in the alcohol community and, and food and, and everywhere, I guess, when there's a boycott going on. There's, there can be quite a bit of this. I think during the Iraq war, a lot of the French, um, you know, people were boycotting the French booths. <laughs> well, yeah, and, well, and so. they wanted to, and, and because they couldn't live with the all-American French fry, they wanted to change the name to Freedom Fries. Exactly, yeah. So we had, um, yeah, the Freedom Champs-Élysées drinks. <laughs> do, do, do you happen to remember, Andre, the the funniest quote from that time period it came from uh, Donald Rumsfeld? And he oh, was the unknown unknowns, or is there another one? <laughs> no, there's 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 another one that you'll love, and oh. it had to do with that whole French controversy thing. Because what happened was, um, when the White House was responding to September 11th, and they were getting ready to go, they they needed the support of allies around the world, and France wouldn't get on board. And Donald Rumsfeld was asked about it and by the media, and he said, well, you know, going into battle without France is like going duck hunting without an accordion. <laughs> That's pretty good. It, it really was a great quote. I, you know, whether you agree with the politics that went into it and all that, I, you know, that's that's irrelevant. But the, But the line was funny. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, um, I, I know I, I know I want to get into more of this. How you how you make the determinations? Where you get the information? Like, you know, how how do you know what you're going to mix up to do the the uh, purple haze and match it yeah. up with the Jimi Hendrix experience? Yeah, we take a lot of time in sort of culling the album. You know, we want to make sure that there's lots of different points of entry for different types of readers. So we include a lot of different genres in here. And we also go through all of the kind of best of lists. You know, we, you know, we know what, you know, Rolling Stone thinks is the best albums and NME and, you know, all these different, um, you know, outlets. And, you know, people are ranking, you know, albums all the time. And especially it's, it's popular again to kind of like hunt up old vinyl albums and, and to bring them back into, into the light, which has been fantastic. Um, something like the, you know, Jimi Hendrix, who, you know, for whatever reason, wasn't in volume one. So it's fantastic that it's available for volume two. We have a few, a number of just like gigantic albums that weren't in volume one. Um, which was sort of uh, amazing to find and, and a bit of a head-scratcher at the same time when we started Volume 2. Like, how, how did we miss Tom Petty for Volume 1? But it wasn't missing, <laughs> of course. It was, you know, it wasn't missing. It was just trying to put together a nice collection of, you know, listenable albums that were, are, you know, really are some of the best um, ever pressed by Wax. And we're, I'm always looking for albums 
that are sort of these watershed moments. Hey, Andre, I, I hate to interrupt, but I have to take yeah. a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. My, my guest is uh, Andre Darlington. We're talking about uh, booze and vinyl, two of my favorite things. We're going to take a short break and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, 
File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with, um, and I, I think I found the uh, the phrase I was looking for earlier uh, to describe my uh, my guest this hour. He is um, an award-winning wine and spirits columnist and the co-author of uh, Volume 2 of Booze and Vinyl. Well, I suppose in uh, Volume 1 as well. And... Uh, Andre uh, Darlington joins me by phone, and uh, welcome back, um, Andre, and and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Feel like I'm going to have to uh, start recommending drinks to have during the during the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the wet bar here? The commercial breaks. <laughs> yeah, what? But but what about that? Um, you know, you've you've done several projects that involve linking up uh, the appropriate uh, drinks to go along with uh, classic film. You've got this this booze and vinyl project. You're into volume two of um, what? Are, are are things changing with regard to? alcohol consumption and and certainly the way we enjoy music and technology i think so i think you know i think there's been this really degrading of experience and through the 2000s with the move to digital and i can only think that that is behind people wanting to engage with each other over cocktails and engage with you know each other in like a listening party um, you know, where, where the analog has really come back. So I think there is a change. I think for me, one of the great changes during the pandemic was, yes, people were drinking more, but people also were getting cocktail books, uh, thankfully, and kind of upping their game. And uh, I've seen just a real resurgence of interest in cocktails, whether they be historic cocktails or sort of just, you know, messing around at home and making up new things. And I find that really uh, fantastic. Well, I'm I'm fascinated by this. Um, you know, you you mentioned your dad was a musician, and and that the the record player in your house, the turntable, was the hearth. <laughs> and yeah, and I can so relate to that because I spent several years as a full time musician, and I remember late at night after gigs, you know, two or three of us. Uh, would sit around and just put on albums and listen and critique. And very often, drinking was involved. And it's, you know, when I, when I consider what went into putting this book together, I just I just have this picture, Andre, of uh, you and, and Tania and, and uh, am I saying that right? Yep, yeah. Um, sitting around with a couple of friends. And just getting hammered and saying, "Wouldn't this, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't this go good with, uh, with Ella and Louie? 
Yeah, we did quite a bit of sitting around. Not so much getting hammered because we're <laughs> working and too old for that. But um, yes, we definitely sit around and you know make some some drinks, and certainly we do quite a few sample sizes. But yeah, I grew up with the turntable, sort of the orange glow of this turntable as the as the light in the room as we you know would sit around and and listen to music. And certainly later, I think people forget. You know, I'm old enough to remember when you know we couldn't just stream whatever new song that we loved. We either had to wait for it to come onto the radio, or some friend that had more money than we did. Uh, would go, you know, buy buy the album, and then we'd all go back to someone's house and listen to it. Um, and I think that experience is really uh, amazing, and um, it's something that we had lost for a while. And I do think it's back. I think a lot of people are, you know, getting inexpensive turntables these days and sitting around with their friends and listening to stuff. And I also think it's so important to not be able to just change the tune to the next artist or ne- whatever is next, and really go into what one you know person or group um, designed as an experience, which is why I love the album as a format. You really do go on a little bit of a journey that you didn't necessarily choose. So I think it's sort of you know it's an expanding experience. Well, I I remember um, theme albums. Yeah, you know, like one that comes to mind, probably one that stands out because I I listened to it so many times was uh, Rick Wakeman's Journey to the Center of the Earth. Right, yeah. And um, There's a journey as an album, <laughs> literally. Yeah, I mean, with narration and, and some really fascinating music, um, but but also, uh, oh, uh, Jethro Tull and, um, and, and, and Dark Side of the Moon. Of course, yeah. You know, there there were these albums that were meant to be experienced as an album. It wasn't yeah. just a soundbite. Yeah, and I think it's so important. I, and I do love, you know, even albums, you know, that aren't exactly these concept albums, although there's quite a quite a few of those. Um, you know, they, you know, like for instance, in this book, we have, uh, you know, Billy Joel, who has it's sort of a a concept album, a little bit about aging and getting older and. And, and, you know, that area of Jersey and New York, or, you know, it does, it does sort of tell a concept album. I would say that Full Moon Fever kind of gets into the territory of being a, a concept album, you know, certainly an, an Americana album that works from beginning to end. Um, but all of those are these, these albums that really work as this kind of bigger, larger-than-life journey, you know, of over an hour, you know, about an hour, um, where you get to experience somebody else's uh, artistic creativity. What are some other things that you think would be fun to uh, match up um, mixed drinks with? I, w- I was thinking uh, presidential debates. Um, yeah. State of, the, <laughs> State of the Union messages. You know, there's, there's always this, this drinking game about uh, you take somebody who... who is known for saying certain things. Um, you know, President Biden, here's the deal. And every time he right. says, here's the deal, you take a shot. You know, there are those drinking games that are out there. But but it makes me wonder if there, there aren't um, some drinks that might help calm us down a little bit. <laughs> in, in modern day politics 
when you look at uh, when you look at a newspaper page, you get to drink when uh, they mention certain words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, exactly. I mean, I, it's, it's been a fun experience to do. Um, you know, at this point, film and music. Um, I was able to work with DC Comics and do a Gotham City Cocktails book, which was fantastic because I was pairing you know, drinks with these characters and Gotham City itself and the history of that city. Um, so that was that was really phenomenal. There was some there are some things that really work well with cocktails. Oh um, yeah. You know the penguin. people done literature and um, yeah the penguin who Umbrella has a, drinks. a club. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he actually has a has a nightclub in the in the story. So he was really, really fun. And Mr. Freeze, of course, you can imagine what that drink might be like. Oh um, sure. Uh, so that was that was really fun, and the, you know, literature. People have definitely paired some literature. There's um, quite a few music uh, books coming out. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. I'm always sort of casting around for what could be uh, fun. I know that a lot of um, you know TV shows get a cocktail book. Downton Abbey, the cocktail book is actually a fantastic one. Um, teaches you a lot of historic uh, cocktails from that era. You know, some of these books are better. And worse, and some of them there are very well researched and, and really great cocktail books in their own right, which is what I always um, try to do with my books as well, and make sure that you know, yes, somebody's getting into music. I not only want the book to be, you know, a good good seventies. You know, if if they get all the music from this book, I hope that they'll end up with a really good collection that they love. And at the same time, I hope that they learn a lot about uh, you know cocktailing and all of the ingredients. Um, so I do always have sort of an an educational bent, you know, it's a fun book. I'm not hitting anybody over the head with it, but it, but the import ultimately is serious. You know, you can expand your life and, uh, you know, find music that you enjoy. I think already anecdotally with volume two here, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, Oh, I didn't know a number of those albums in the book. Um, which, you know, in a couple of cases is true for me as well. I didn't really know them that well uh, before I started writing the book. So it's kind of a, and a, and a journey into um, what is kind of the cradle of vinyl. What are some of these watershed albums? And and there are and there are a ton. There's been some great music over the the yeah. history of phonographic records. And um, and and this is just such a such a cool thing. It's such a cool project. Did the pandemic set an interesting? Um, stage by by creating people's home as a venue for this i think absolutely i mean volume one did really well but it was right when it came out but it didn't do anything like what happened during the pandemic when it just became this kind of phenomenon and i'd go onto social media and people were you know buying the liquor that was in the books for you know and and having these experiences for themselves and some of, you know, you know, one of the very few upsides, I think, of the pandemic was people kind of returning to some things that were offline and that weren't, you know, well, you they know had before time. the pandemic. It's, yeah, you have more time. So books did really well during the pandemic. And, of course, I'm a book guy. I love books. I love reading. And it was amazing to see people, you know, you can only watch so much TV, right, <laughs> so if you can't leave the house. So eventually people uh, turned to books and uh, and also turned to, to cocktails. And, you know, certainly uh, the pandemic, um, you know, was so stressful. So there were a lot of people using, you know, cocktail hour in a good way, I think, which is to relax at the end of the day and sort of put a put a damper on all of the negative news that was floating in uh, during those years. 
Oh, I just, <laughs> I, I just thought of something really awful, and I'm sure it's been done, and that's binge drinking with binge watching. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That would be a good one. I don't know if a press would would green light that, but we are definitely <laughs> in the age of uh, binge, wa- you know, binge, binge watching uh, everything. You know, I've often, uh, you know, wanted to. You know, I don't know if they're popular enough, but it would be great to go back to some of the older shows. You know, imagine if there was a Gilligan's Island cocktail book. Imagine if there was a Love Boat cocktail book. You know, that's I'm dating myself here, but you know, some of those uh, shows would be be really fun. You know, also there there hasn't been a, um, a cocktails and musicals yet, so there's still a, a great number of uh, pairings that can be done with pop culture. Oh, I think they're they're tremendous fun. Um, you know, there there was a time in the in the sixties and seventies. I, I suppose you could say the eighties too, but I think of it more as a fifties, sixties and into the seventies thing. Kind of centered around cool jazz and gin joints. Yeah. Where yeah. where drinking and and smoking was cool. Right. And all the cool people did it, and usually while wearing a tuxedo. And, yeah, those were the days, right? <laughs> well, in, in some ways they really were, Andre, that's, and that's what I'm yeah. getting at. And and then there came this, this period of time when smoking is bad for you, drinking, especially with driving, um, you know, came under fire, and... And so then these things sort of became frowned upon. Do you think you're bringing back the cool part of it with some of these projects? I really hope so. I mean, my generation sort of, uh, you know, I grew up in kind of what people think of as the bad old days of, you know, the 80s where, you know, drinks had, had drinks certainly out at bars and restaurants just weren't that good anymore. You know, people were using mix, you know, pre-mixed powders or, or, you know, nobody was using fresh juices, you know, drinks were large and they were cheap and they were, you know, not at the correct temperature and stuff. So I really came in trying to, you know, with this craft cocktail revolution, really trying to make things better and really trying to say, you know, you don't need to drink to get, you know, plowed or, you know, before, um, you know, you, you want to have a drink that's like artistic and interesting and you can contemplate a little bit, you know, not to say to take the fun out of it i mean i think this is like to make it more fun is to make it interesting in a way so i was you know each each of these books that i work on is sort of like and especially something like the tcm book where i went back and looked at uh, you know the cocktails that were in these old classic films you know i definitely had this sense of like wow we have lost a lot of certainly glamour and definitely fun um so I really always think in, you know, something like this booze and vinyl too, yeah, let's bring the fun and the glamour back and make these interesting experiences. And I think I think that's what's resonating about the books. Well, I think it's a it's a tremendously cool idea. Um and and how you manage to um make a living out of <laughs> writing about drinks and music and cocktail you know booze cruises and that kind of stuff my my hat is off to you andre no one is more surprised about that than me (laughs) 
I did nef- I definitely did not imagine when I started this that this would turn into a, a full time career. Do, do you but know I, the couple that did the uh, the Atlas of Beer for National Geographic? You know, I have that book, but I don't know them personally. I, they were on the show. Oh, great! And I remember asking them when that book came out. I would have loved to have been in that pitch meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was like, we, we're going to go all around the world tasting beer. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to write a book about it. I, I just thought that was the funniest thing. And then when you came along with the booze cruise, I thought, oh, somebody else has, <laughs> has garnered the gift of gab and gotten themselves a really sweet gig. Yeah, I mean, I'd never imagined that I'd be able to travel around the world on cocktails or work with, like, an 80-year legacy like Batman or work with sort of what I consider sort of the cradle of American music, um, you know, certainly late 20th century music. It's just been a real gift um, to be able to pair cocktails with these artistic things that I love so much. Now, what would Batman drink? Well, that was a contentious one because in modern times, Batman, in theory, does not drink. Of course, he did drink earlier. You know, it was interesting for Gotham City Cocktails. I was focused on the comics, not the film. So, you know, in popular culture now, the films have sort of taken over people's minds. But Batman did drink. Of course, Frank Miller has Batman as an ex-alcoholic in the great 80s um, Batman comics. Um, you know, I had him drink, you know, a drink called like suit up, which had espresso, you know, a little like after dinner, like, oh no, you've gotten the phone call that you need to be out there. <laughs> Somebody's up to something. So you're going to have a little, uh, after dinner, uh, quick, quick espresso drink as well as a couple others. There's a great old fashioned in there. And of course I leaned on Alfred as well. Um, and his British background to bring in Tim's cups and things like that. So, uh, we really had fun with that book. And how about Superman? Well, Superman is a different ball of wax altogether. The thing that was interesting about Batman is he, I think he's the most interesting superhero character because he doesn't have superpowers. He's right. just a regular guy that then goes out and does stuff. And, of course, Batman is also really closely tied to sort of film noir, so there's a lot to, to balance there. Superman would be a more difficult uh, task <laughs> to think up. <laughs> What does the perfect man drink? Who who has superpowers? I suppose nothing with kryptonite, or maybe maybe a kryptonite like cocktail, so it's green, just to just to scare himself. <laughs> <laughs> or or you know that's that's the only thing that can knock him off his game. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so the may, only thing is microdosing of, of kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, the, there you go. Oh, that's funny. Um. Let me let me ask this. What's uh, what's next, Andre? Well, great that you ask. I'm just right now in uh, talks to do a third volume of Booze and Vinyl, but it's oh, not no. going to be the same as these other two. It's going to be a smaller holiday edition, um, which I'm really excited about that idea. So think think Christmas music. Oh man, that sounds like fun. Yeah, so it's basically going to be, you know, a great holiday cocktail book, you know, and have all your kind of like Atoll Bros and, and mold wine and that kind of stuff, but all all set to, you know. I mean, when you uh, do something everybody, like... Everybody from... Oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, when you do something like that, Andre, would you be matching the music to holiday drinks? Yes, exactly. So I'll be, you know, doing holiday drinks, uh, everything with a twist, but it'll function as a great holiday book as well. And then, you know, also have Johnny Mathis and Taylor Swift and all of the, you know, everybody in between. (laughs) Oh, I think that sounds like big fun. Um, Andre, where, you know, I always ask guests to uh, share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do. I have a couple, actually. For this tour, for Booze and Vinyl, there is a boozeandvinyl.com where you can get all the tour information. Um, there's a little bit of merch out there. There's some, some, some fun stuff out there, uh, some interviews, whatnot. And then there's also an andredarlington.com if you want to specifically look at the projects that I'm working on. Well, Andre, it was great talking to you again. It's always fun to talk with you. And, and you have, uh, I thought I had the coolest gig in the world, but I, I, I bow to you. <laughs> I think your big gig is pretty cool. You just have to have to do radio and cocktails. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> what drinks well, to have so with which guests? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, the interview, the art of the cocktail interview. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Well, keep up the good work, Andre. Thank you so much for having me on. It's wonderful to talk to you. All right, take care. Again, that's uh, Andre Darlington, and um, he is the uh, co-author of Booze and Vinyl, Volume 2, just coming out uh, this month. It's uh, 70 more albums and 140 new recipes um, by the sibling food and drink duo Andre and Tanaya Darlington. Anyway... um, We are going to take a uh, short break, and we'll be back with, uh... oh, wait a minute. Let me me remind you of something before we do that. Uh, Find my my piece of paper here so I don't make any mistakes. Um, just, Just a reminder about tomorrow's event. Of course, tomorrow's Wednesday, which means armchair politics. We have uh, also... um, we're going to talk with uh, the CEO of the National Immigration Forum, Ali Nurani, uh, has a new book out and uh, called Border Crisis. We're going to talk with him, and that will be followed by Armchair Politics. And uh, Wes Whitaker will be joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right. And... Um, So we'll have our our regular Wednesday edition of the Tom Sumner program. But then tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. from 4 to 8, we will be uh, assembling um, at the White Horse Tavern on Court Street near downtown Flint for the Tom Sumner program 15th anniversary listener appreciation party. And uh, it'll be me and MCPG my uh, favorite Oakland County activist, um, and we'll be launching the 15th year of the Tom Sumner program in Civilized Radio. I'm hoping that uh, if you've been a sponsor, a donor, a guest, um, a listener of the show, that you will join us tomorrow and celebrate the show's past and uh, help reignite 
its future. It's time to return the Tom Sumner program to its pre-pandemic excellence, and uh, we count on you to help out with that. And and so I uh, I hope we'll see you tomorrow. We've got some interesting uh, developments and announcements, and uh, and and we want to hear what your thoughts are as well. Anyway, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. I'll be right back. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, Mock Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. 
She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. It'd be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone. I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The most frightening thing to me when I got married was that there would be one person who would know me better than anybody else. You know, you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool your wife. There are dark corners of yourself you don't want anybody to know, but she gets to know them. She knows your good side and your bad side, you know. And especially when we're, you know, they say, oh, it must be just marvelous being married to Bobby, so funny, you know. And she goes, oh, yeah, he's just gang of laughs, gang of laughs to do this. <laughs> and when I'm having a fight with a wife, invariably they'll say, she, Jenny's such a lovely girl. Say, she's terrific. She really, really is a wonderful girl. She really is. You know? Especially when you aren't talking to one another for four or five days. But... You can, fool your, you can fool your children and you can fool your friends. You know, go out to a party and get smashed and they'll say, uh, you know, and your wife will say you were really smashed and your friends will say, oh, I didn't realize Bob was drinking, you know. That. But you can't fool your wife. Now, this is a guy, gets up the next morning with a, he's been out and he's got the daddy of all hangovers. See? And he comes down. Rob, Rob, don't, don't play with a dump truck. Just leave, leave the dump truck alone. <clears throat> don't, don't play with a Varum toy. Just leave the Varum toy alone. Daddy, Daddy doesn't feel well, Robert. Dad, Daddy has a cold, Robert. Another cold, yes, I know. I know Daddy had a cold last week, and it just... Grown-ups get weekend colds, Robert. Just... You, get a, you get a cold from, uh, oh, from going from a warm place into a cold place or from a cold place into a warm place and from booze. Yes, you can get it from booze. <laughs> who, who told you you can get a cold from booze? That's where Mommy said Daddy's colds come from. <laughs> have, have Mommy come in. With, and don't slam the, the, the door. Hi, dear. Hi. No, I feel fine. I know, I know I was drinking last night. I feel, feel fine. Just sitting here watching, watching television. Picture tube's been out a week, huh? Thank God I thought I was going blind there for a while. 
Yes, yes, I know I have your dress on, dear. You don't have to tell me. That's, that's why, that's why the, the milkman uh, waved at me this morning. Didn't make a hell of a lot of sense at the time. What, what does Fred want for breakfast? Who the hell is Fred? My, my old army buddy. I insisted he stay with us last night. Honey, I, I was never in the hell that I ever. You've fixed something special for my old army buddy and myself. Honey, for my old army buddy and myself. Honey, uh, would you call it cream? Would you call it cream chip beef on toast, please, honey? <laughs> I thought I'd just, I thought I'd sit here and then uh, maybe a couple, I'd try to make it to that chair over there. And if that goes well, I thought I'd try to stand up tomorrow. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Wow. 
it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program but be sure and join me tomorrow for uh, armchair politics tomorrow morning tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock we'll be at the White Horse celebrating the launch of the 15th year of the Tom Sumner program uh, which currently streams on TomSumnerProgram.com or you can hear us on uh, our voices radio WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. 
we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.